Hotel community, welcome back to First Frequency of Wonder Shock Metaphysics. I am Reverend Dr. Philippe Shock Matthews, AKA the Metaphysical Morpheus. It's Thursday, it's time for that crazy man, that crazy guy that we all love. Yes, indeed, he's in the house. There he is, Dr. Clyde Winters family. What's hey, going what on, up? beloved Baba? What up, though? What up, though? <laughs> Sunny out here. Sunny out here. I went out and got a little melanin, a little melanin. Nice. Shot, you know, a little shot nice. Out. You know, I, I didn't want to get a martini, so I just got just a little shot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, I was thinking about trying to make it a, a margarita, but I, but I felt if somebody saw me with my shirt off, they might just say, "Damn, take that old man and put him in the house." <laughs> That's too much information. We don't need the visuals of that, Doc. I'm just saying. You don't, you, we you don't know, need you to visual. You do not want to see Dr. Winters with his shirt off. Or you Dr. Do. Philippe, for that matter. You don't want to see these things, family. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this headshot right here, this is enough. This is enough for you right yeah. here. Oh, that's you know, good. If I, if I, if I like <laughs> exercise and doing some more sit-ups and some more pull-ups into my voice. But I, 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 I just can't get around. <laughs> I got to go work out after I'm done with this class with you, my friend. I got to go and get me some melanin, go out here to this park and go walk in and go do heel drills and all of that good stuff. It's going to be about seven, a little over 70 degrees. So uh, I'm all about it, about it, trying to change this body image, trying to change this mind and, and, and break through, brother. Yeah, I know that uh, you was telling me that you and, you and your lady, you go walking every day. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that we do, we're starting to incorporate now, and that's looking good. We About three times a week, you yeah, know, and good. and so, you know, and then the other days we do whatever we want to do, you know, at the gym or whatever. So it's, it's working out wonderfully well to have that accountability partner. That's, uh, that's wonderful, you know, because uh, I'm getting really uh, sick. Of, uh, I'm getting really sick of a lot of the uh, – you know a lot of the media and all that because you know if you look at the media they would make you they would make you believe that there's no black men in love with black women you know mm -hmm. they make it appear that there's no is no black women and there's no black men who can have a good relationship and it's and it's getting to be uh quite pathetic it's getting to be quite sad because the fact is that uh i think that a lot of people a lot of people believe that uh that there's no way that black men and black women can get along, and they can. They can't. They can't. But there's a lot of trauma on us, brother. There's a lot of trauma, and that interruption signal is very, very real, and it's constant. Right. It's constant. You know, now every day, every day you have that uh, that whole type of a uh, situation. You know, you you have every day. You know, ever, ever since the uh, ever since the the nineteen, uh, I'd say. I say ever since about the 1980s, ever since the 1980s, on the on the uh, six and ten o'clock news around the United States, they always had to show some type of uh, some picture of some black person, usually a black male committing a crime. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in Chicago, has changed a little bit because uh, you know lately they've been showing us they've been showing a lot of uh, Latinos doing crazy stuff like. Mm -hmm. you know, Showing this uh, Latina woman with a bat going around kicking other Latino ass. So they oh wow! Her. Yeah, because she's going. They should call her Bat Woman. <laughs> and then you know, uh, yeah. Then you know this big thing about uh, 
about uh, the Latinos and, and a lot of the, the media is upset because of the fact that a lot of Latinos are ending up being uh, white nationalists. And you know, the, the media the media is a little upset because you know they always try to say the Latinos over here are, are the brown people. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. They're a minority. And yet uh, we have that uh, guy in Texas who shot But many up. of them list themselves as white. Yeah. They all list themselves as white. Yeah, they identify as white. You know the leader of the uh, leader of the Proud Boys. He just uh, mm-hmm. he just got sent to jail. He was Spanish. I mean uh, Latino. The leader of the Oath, Oath Keepers. He was a uh, he was a uh, he was a uh, Latino. Then that Fuentes guy who's supposed to be one of the leading uh, leading uh, white nationals. He's Latino. So I don't understand why they why they don't want to why they can't uh, why they don't want to play it up. But you know what I was thinking. I just thought about why they're doing this is because remember, they want to make the Latinos, you know, it's always they want to make somebody a minority so they can kind of uh, hijack, you know, uh, foundational black Americans getting any respect, getting any support. And so so maybe maybe they, they want to play up these Latinos being brown so they can always pretend it can be a black and brown coalition, even though uh, even though there's no way that we can have a black and brown coalition because uh the Latinos don't want to work with us. You know? Not at all. No, they've made that point very clear. Yeah. And and a lot of them uh, completely deny that they are of African ancestry. Yeah. Or or like or like uh, that Acacia woman, she said that she was of she was of African ancestry, but she was mainly she was mainly uh, you know Spanish. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, you know the Spanish were the ones that you you know the thing that makes it so interesting. You can look at them. You can look at them and see that Negro heritage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See that Negro heritage. You know, and uh, it, it's quite striking. But you know, yesterday, yesterday, uh, uh, or uh, family, uh, you guys got to go to to the sister Shanice uh, channel. Yesterday, uh, you know, uh, uh, Reverend uh, Doctor Matthews was on the uh, sister Shanice show, and she was t- and he was talking about the uh, technology of racism. And 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 he posted, he posted a picture of Plessy, who was in the Plessy versus mm. Ferguson case, and he was seven eighths. He was seven eighths, uh, a white person, you know, and yet and yet when you look at that picture, you can see that if they didn't know, if they didn't, if they didn't know, or he didn't declare that he was a FBA, they wouldn't have never known he was FBA. You know mm-hmm. what? You know. Um, Reverend Matthews, I know it's maybe not the right time, but could could you kind of explain to the family why they why they are so upset about about uh, about that black that black people that cannot that there's some black people that can maybe fit in? Can you explain that why it upsets the uh, second frequency so much? Well, they don't uh, because they can't fit in. They can't fit in back to the original story. They can't fit into the original people. They don't have an original story. They don't have an origin story. So they have to make everything up. And by doing so, they have to create technologies to keep a system uh, of lies literally going. And I have to admit, they've done a very good job, 500 years of, of lies uh, built up over time. But here's the great thing about a lie. Eventually, the truth is going to come out. And because you're dealing with a group that is auto-genocidal, killing themselves, and then you're dealing with a group that Ama 
uh, has deemed recessively genetic. And so the, the weather and the environment is killing them as well in record numbers. Uh, you've got a group of people who are uh, extremely desperate and also extremely ignorant. You've got some people that have, uh, there are some, uh, some whites that have this, uh, the same, if not less than uh, 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 scientific information of the, of the dark ages. They're, they're literally walking idiots. They don't know it because they're white. They don't have to know history. They don't have to know black history. They don't have to know their history. So they're a perfect target uh, for uh, autogenocide and, and genetic annihilation. Uh, but they hate uh, uh, every, uh, everything black. They hate everything brown. But they want to control, capture, control, capture, corral, and control everything that's black and brown because that keeps certain institutions at play and, 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 and funded, like law enforcement. You know, you, if there's no crime, what does law enforcement do? Well, they have to create uh, and redline using race technology and spacing. They have to create uh, areas that have lack of education, lack of economics, so that law enforcement can have a job. Uh, I remember talking to Matthew Fogg, who was formerly with the uh, DEA, and he was also uh, vice president of the U.S. Marshals at one point. And he told the story. He says, hey, man, they told us to go into poor neighborhoods, uh, black and brown neighborhoods, uh, and get arrests because in the poor neighborhoods, they don't fight back. Uh, they don't have lawyers. They don't have money. They don't have resources that can that can stop us. And so this is the system that that they have designed, but the system is dying off as well as they are dying off. And this is why you see so many of them just shooting up, uh, you know, uh, they, when they lose their mind, they lose their, their sense of, of, of being here and they're, 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 they're killing each other uh, in mass shootings. And, and uh, it's, it's absolutely insane what's going on with this group. But we, unfortunately, are in the way and we've got to get out of the way. We're, we're like Joey on the handlebars uh, going off the cliff with them. Yeah, and you know, but I, I think like today, uh, you know, today Professor Black he had a very, a very interesting, uh, a very interesting commentary this morning. You know, and uh, what he did is that he he talked about he talked about the Nazism, yes, mm -hmm. Nazism among the mestizos in Mexico, and he showed all these different. Uh, uh, Nazi organizations that the Mestizos that formed in Mexico. And then I said to myself, now I get it. Now I, now I understand why when they bring these uh, these these Latinos up here from uh, these uh, various Latin countries, they they want to they want to continue to claim that they're white, even though down in Mexico, you, you wouldn't be white in Mexico. You're a Mestizo. Yeah. Everybody knows you're not white in Mexico, but how they can come here and be white. And then, but I was just surprised at the Nazism, so much Nazism down there, and so many Mestizos Nazis. But then I understood why, when they come up here, why when they come up here, in a sense, many of these, many of these uh, Mexicans will usually vote Republican mm -hmm. or white nationalism, and that's because mm -hmm. of Nazism, you know. But 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 you know, this whole idea of Latinos and Nazism and whiteness. And uh, and whiteness, uh, it, it it's got something that's bothering me. Could I, uh, could I, could I uh, share the screen? Absolutely. Here we go. Cades. You know, um, 
one of the things that's really striking uh, this week they were talking about Usher and his uh, and his Latino girlfriend, and uh, mm-hmm. he's about to have a second child or something. They're about to get married, and you know one of the things that's really striking is that that when you look at these Latinos, most of the time they are uh, a lot of times you can see their uh, their their African heritage. You can look at Acosta, Acosta, you know, in uh, in Congress. You can look it up and. And uh, and uh, and uh, what's her name used to play on the uh, the uh, Living Colors, you know, who just got married to that actor, the Spanish girl, who, who oh, uh, J Lo, yeah, J Lo, how she mainly made it off of uh, black men to get to where she is today. And so, then you know, uh, one of the things that's very interesting is that a lot of these people, like Usher and even uh, even MJ, Michael Jordan, he's married to a, he's he's uh, married to a Latino lady. Yeah, I didn't know that. The interesting thing about these people, Usher, Michael Jordan, and some, and uh, even that basketball player, Kobe Bryant. You know, back when he was with, before he died, when he was at at uh, in the uh, Lakers, he was married to a Latina too. And you know, for some reason, in a sense, many people, many people are wondering what makes these 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 black men, once they get a little money or once they get a little position. Of power that they feel they have to, uh, they can no longer marry a sister, and they had to marry a Latina. And uh, you know, uh, from your experience, my experience, you know, black women are, are super loyal. Black women are very supportive. So, so the only reason that I can I can surmise that uh, that these people like Usher and Michael Jordan, the reason that they want to get these white women, I think, is because they suffer from caves. Culturally acquired immune identity deficiency syndrome, and if you notice, a lot of this has to do with colorism. I remember back in the day uh, when I when I uh, when I went to my grandmother, you know, because my mother, uh, my mother, you know, she's very dark, you know, Choctaw that ish, and you know, and then my my father, he is one of the dentures. You know, when you look at the uh, when you look when you look at the, uh, the the census back then, most of my uh, on my father's side, they was always they were listed as mulattoes and all that type of ish. So then uh, I remember when I went to my grandmother and uh, I said, I said, uh, you know, I said, uh, sister, we called her sister. I said, sister, I want to, I want to get married to Diane. And she said, well, you know, first of all, first of all, you know, you're too old to marry. You're, you're too old to be marrying her. She's younger than you. I said, damn, she's uh, she's only one year, one year younger than me. How am I too old? <laughs> she, said, she said, but you know, uh, Diane is nice and all, but you know, your father, he married your mother and he kind of brought down the family. I said, what do you mean? Well, you know, eh, she was very dark. Don't you want to kind of lighten up? You know, maybe you could find somebody. Uh, wow. Than, uh, somebody lighter and marry her. And I said, well, you know, I said, uh, Diane is lighter than me. She said, well, you know, I mean, you know, uh, a little lighter, you know. So, wow. So, so I said no. I said I, I'm crazy about my baby, and I, I want my wonderful. I didn't say wonderful back then, but I just said I, I'm crazy about her, and I want to, and I'm going to marry her, and that's that. But even back then, you know, my uh, and this was in 19, 1969, 1970, and even back then, that colorism thing was there. My 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 uh, my my grandmother was telling me that. That that by, by by marrying somebody dark instead of somebody really light, I was kind of depreciating, you know, the winner's family, the winner's tradition. I, 
you know, my that my father had already caused to be degenerate. <laughs> but but then wow. And but but for some reason, I was thinking. I was thinking is that 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 for some reason, uh, I never, I never, I ne I never, I never really, I never really thought about. I never really thought about a woman just because she was light skinned and she was pretty. I just wanted a beautiful woman. That's all I felt. That's all I wanted. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. But the point, but the point is, this is that it seems as though a lot of these people show colorism. Because if you remember Usher's first, Usher's first uh, wife, she was older than him, but she was light skinned. And then you know, uh, and then you know, Michael Jordan, his first wife, she was light skinned too. But but then I I, I think that that somehow. You know, as, as caves creeping, creeping around you, and as you begin to hang around with more and more, more and more uh, second frequency, I think that it may affect you. What do you, what do you think about that, uh, Reverend Matthews? Well, it all stems from self hate. Melvin Reed just said that uh, in the in the chat. I'll put it up on the screen, and he says they have self hatred. You should hear some of them talk about blacks around their women, um, and you know, a lot of these black men, particularly when they get money. A lot of them are angry at black women uh, and angry at themselves, uh, but they don't know why. They don't know what's going on. So they just say, okay, I'm going to get back uh, at black women by not uh, dating or having relations with black women. Uh, now everything is going late next, which is interesting because as we look at how they're trying to create late next as a new buffer class uh, for black people, it kind, it kind of makes sense. Uh, because it's another level of access to, to whiteness. And they say, oh, well, I don't, at least I don't have a white woman. But it's like, yeah, in a way you do, bro, uh, because you're, you're, you're uh, conflating the situation yet again. But it all stems from this self-hate uh, of being uh, Black. And then you have to understand the women that they were with um, the, the, those women are third frequency. They don't know their history. They don't know who they are. And so a lot of these sisters are damaged uh, in their own trauma. And then trauma comes, you know, trauma meets trauma. And then now you have a, a couple that just automatically manifests drama. So the trauma feeds the drama, the drama feeds more of the trauma. And, and you have this vicious cycle of, of, of self-hate. You know, and I, I, think that, I think that's very important that it is a lot of self-hate and, and it shows it shows when somebody has 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 a hundred percent cage, you know, because what they do is that they become immune to white. They 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 they've lost their immunity to whiteness, and they feel and in and in a way, I think they feel that that they are they are white, but they could be more white if they could legitimize their whiteness by having some sort of a Latino woman as their uh, as their uh, you know uh, as their significant other. You know, I, I remember when I was growing up. And a lot of people always talk about, oh, look at that good hair. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that hair? I don't know. Right, don't right. Know. You know, black women, you know, uh, good, black women, good hair is nappy kinky hair. That's good hair. Yeah, and you and they and we can do anything with it, you know. All they yeah. just just tied up in a ball, tied up there. And then, you know, but then but then it's these these things where you read these books and then the books, oh, you put your hair, you put your you can put your hair through the damn hand and you can Fuck that hair! I don't see. You know, yeah, a lot of a lot of sisters. They got. I'm serious, man. A lot of them got to have a wig or something like that, or got to have 
have some some hair that's their privilege but the point is this is that the point is this is that these people they they think just because they got a latino just because they or even in the past when i was growing up if they had a super super light-skinned sister you know it was going on i mean look at the akas you know the akas you know alpha kappa alpha when i was at university alpha kappa alpha uh you might see somebody a little brown a little you know well, you remember they started the paper bag test. Remember yeah. that colorism of the paper bag test? You had to be lighter than a paper, than a brown paper bag, otherwise you couldn't have entry. That's right. And, and 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 when I was growing up, I used to always notice the fact that that black men who had light skinned wives, they would buy their wives' houses and stuff. But then if they had a dark skinned wife, they wouldn't hardly. You uh, fam, family, you guys can can uh, correct me, but when I was growing up, I mainly saw brothers trying to buy houses. For they light-skinned women, you know, and not for the dark-skinned women. Maybe I don't know. Maybe because of the thing. But the point is, this is that these people want once it once it seems as though they want to acquire that white culture, and they want they want in a sense be truly they think adopted. They want to be adopted into the white family, and I think that they feel that they're adopted into the white family once they can have that white woman or that Latina, and the lighter the, the Latina, the better, you know. And yeah. the Latinas had it better because it seems as though they they can they not only lose their immunity to whiteness they lose their identity. You know. Well, I, I also I, think too with the his, with the late next uh, connection, you know, the late next can also have a conversation about being discriminated against. And so when you have a a, a black brother uh, who doesn't know their history, that's a, that's that's a a conversation that they can have with a late next that they can't have with a with a second frequency on move. So in their mind, that makes them uh, 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 complicit uh, and 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 more compliant. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you really? I don't really think they can have a conversation with them about racism, because see, these people, the uh, uh, the average Latino. I mean, look at the ones that that they have popularized. Some of them dark, you know, dark as hell. They got very Negroid features. A lot of them. But they still they still declare on their on their uh, birth certificates, and they declare when they look for a job that they're white. And so then so then I don't know if you can really talk to them about discrimination, you know, because they 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 don't they don't see themselves as being brown. The only people that see them as being brown is this uh, propaganda ish, and that's all it is. It's propaganda ish. Remember, up until the 1970s, Latinos Latinos were classified as whites. And even now, even now, when you go on a census form, it says white or 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 black or black Latino. Mm. So even there, they they want to separate the, the separate the two. And so, to me, you know, Usher, Michael Jordan, and these other black men, they're running, they're running to these women because they feel that even if they can get somebody close to whiteness, you know, that it can make them feel white. You know. The perfect example is is is, uh, is Kanye West. When Kanye West got with the uh, Kardashians, she wasn't a Latina, but she was an Armenian. And Armenians, a lot of times Armenians, when you look at their history, a lot of times they're classified with the gypsies, and the gypsies were supposed to be dark and all that type of issue. And so then, so then we we see with Kanye West, it looked like Kanye West was doing good. He felt he had made it. He felt mm -hmm. he had made it. He had got the biggest white hoe. I mean, he got the biggest, I mean, he got the biggest <laughs> hoe. A hoe. A hoe. A hoe. 
Oh, Lord. There ain't no damn hole in this house that I know about. And one of my sons, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. He made a mistake. Uh-oh. But he didn't quit it. And she and she ruined his damn life. Oh, wow. Wow. That's wow. Right. I'm telling. I'm telling. Tell it. Telling the family business, telling the family secrets, Dr. Winters. But he, he's married now to a, real, <laughs> to a real good black woman, very supportive, very loving, and she's not a hoe. But the thing is, this is that. Good that to know. <laughs> I mean, man, any of us can do it. Yeah, real talk. Come on now. This is true. Come on now. You this know, is somebody true. Somebody can be acting very sympathetic. They can be acting very cool. You know, I was looking at this video. Some, 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 some black uh, brothers are are, are are addicted to. They they got a disease called super saver hoe. They just yeah. love to. They, that's just what they do. Especially uh, Capricorns. Capricorns. They always they always want to change women. You know, just like some women. You they, can't they, change. They, you can't change a woman. You can make a better and influence a better, but you can't change anybody. You can't. You absolutely correct. You can't change anybody because see. People can people can look at you and lie right in your face. But as I was saying about Kanye West, Kanye West, he thought he had made it big. He he finally had he finally had his, his white his whiteness. And then and then I think those uh, those people, they wouldn't let him come to the real meetings of the real big shot white folks for mm -hmm. the white decisions. And I think when they wouldn't let him come to that meeting, that's when he started attacking that group of people. And I think he, he attacked that group of people because he thought he thought he had made it. He was a millionaire. He was in the white circles. He was hanging around. He had a white wife. And then in a sense, when he when he asked them, can I come to the meeting, uh, Massa? Massa said, no, boy. You can't come to this here meeting. This meeting mm -hmm. is white. Massa, mm -hmm. ain't I white? Yep. And they told yep. him, West, hell no, you ain't white. It's a rude awakening. It's a rude, rude awakening. awakening. And see, people like Usher, and uh, people like Michael Jordan, they, they can say they love those women. I'm going to say right here. Uh-oh. What you going to say? I don't believe they really love those women. They love what those women can represent. Mm -hmm. I think, I think I they say. love what those women can represent. Because I they like can that. represent to the world that they've made it. They can represent to the world that I'm I'm on the same level with white folks, but they but see at the same time, they're being cautious. They know that if they marry a white woman, that may in a sense anger a lot of their white friends. But if they get a Latino who's also supposed to be white, they feel in a sense that they're a little safe that they haven't really stepped on massive foot. Mm -hmm. And again, it creates a buffer zone for them. It creates a buffer class for them in a sense. It's absolutely insane uh, uh, how sick this society is as a result of second frequency invasion. It is, and and how and how sick how sick it all it makes us because it makes us get the wrong idea. It makes us feel in the sense is that is that is that we finally made it. I got money. So what? So what if Usher got herpes and any woman he has sex with, he gonna give ass herpes? But the whole damn, ouch, god damn it, ouch, 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 oh the pain, oh the pain, oh the suffering. I guess it is painful. You ain't right, you ain't right. You just throw. This is no. Walk away, walk away from it, Doc. Just say no. 
No, no, no sister, no sister want to be around that. I, I know. I know that's for a fact. Absolutely but, not. Yeah. But, but but to get back to it is that so so I think that people like Usher, people like uh, Michael Jordan, they're, they're still very they're still very uh, Tomish. They're still very their Uncle Toms, their Coons. But I, but I think in the sense is that they feel that that although although they're they're dipping, it's it's like it's like when you dip your foot into a pool. Or you're out in the, in on the beach and you dip your toe into the water, and you want to see if the water is if the water is 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 good enough for you to jump in. I think that people like Usher and Michael Jordan, the reason that they want to get these Latinas is because of the fact that it, it allows them to 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 possess or or possess some whiteness, but at the same time they're not threatening threatening Europeans by by trying to claim the total whiteness, which they mm-hmm. would be a sign of would be a sign in a sense of, of absolute absolutely rejecting and uh and desecrating them. And I think that that's one of the things I mean I was looking at the other day that Kanye West, you know those people they got so mad at Kanye West that I think that they said that uh they said that uh Adidas Adidas has 1.8 billion Dollars worth of Yeezys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that the shock, the, the stockholders are suing Adidas and all that, just to hurt, just to hurt a brother. They'd rather take a loss of one point eight billion. Isn't that something? It's that's amazing. now that's that's powerful. That's a that's that lets you know how much they hate they hate us because they ain't us. Absolutely, when they can't control us, this is what they they do. They would rather. Uh, uh, suffer whatever economic pain, hardship, whatever, as long as that brother is down. Yeah, and so I hate to say this, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't respect men like Usher. I don't respect men like Jordan, because I don't respect these men. Because yeah, you can you can uh, say you love whoever you want to love, but the fact in the sense is that is that you're gonna reject your mama, and you're rejecting your mama. Remember what your mama told you. Mm-hmm. Woman into this house. No, she didn't. She said, "Don't bring no white bitch in this house." That's, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's the correction. Yes. Oh, this is okay. It's okay, Doc. We're, you know, as as scholars, we know we have to use certain words and languages, and we always want to cite and recite the reference correctly. That's <laughs> no, don't bring no black bitch in this house. My mama told me that too many times. Yeah, but I feel the I feel that these people. I don't look up to them. I don't think they're accomplishing ish. I don't think that they're that they're men that I respect. Just because you got some money and you got a Latina, that don't mean ish to me. What's yeah. even better, I always remember what my father told me, he said, Clyde, he said that he said that he said that most black men run away. They run away from their families. And he said that he said, to me, a man, a man sticks by his family no matter what. And that and I and that's what I taught my sons. You know, you try to stick. You stick by your family no matter what. You know, absolutely. And but the point is, this is that you know. So when I see somebody like Usher and and uh, and, and and Michael Jordan, and when I read about Frederick Douglass back in the day, he also married a, a white woman later in his life. You know, it just seemed like that they feel that that they're more comfortable. They're more mm-hmm. comfortable around their white. More family. accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more accomplished. Because they had that that white that white uh, that uh, Latino woman with them, you know they was talking about you know uh, this uh, this Ebony Williams or something. She's talking about that she wouldn't marry a uh, uh, she wouldn't marry an uh, 
and a, a truck driver, but she married the owner of the company. And a lot of people got upset, but I mean, it's class, it's classism in the black community. It's classism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. I remember when, when I got married, a lot of the, when I got married, my wife, she didn't go to college. She was my high school, my high school girl. And so when I got married, you, those sisters on the campus got very, very angry at me. They're very mad at me because they felt, they said, you should have been marrying me because you got a college degree. You're going to get a college degree and I'm going to get one. And she doesn't have one. But see, that's the whole point. You can choose whoever, whoever the hell you want. You have you make that choice as a man, you see? Just like Usher and, and Michael Jordan, they made those choices. But I don't think they made those choices just because if they were they were that they was that special woman. I think they made those choices because they felt that by getting that that Latina, they could be they could be they could they could be white but not be white. And see, mm -hmm. just like those Latinos, even though they're supposed to be brown people, which is bullshit. Because they put on their damn birth certificates that they're white, you see. So you got to stop that. We got to stop that. That's why we shouldn't allow ourselves to be called minorities. Because see, there are yes. minorities who are really, who are really in this country, recognized as temporary whites. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Asians. But again, you know, uh, that's just uh, one of those things. You know, did, did you have a further comment, or I'm gonna go right to the uh, to the talk? No, I want you to I uh, uh, I want you to talk about uh, this PDF was amazing. Ethiopia's rural area in India. Um, talk to us about this PDF that you produced. Okay, well, this PDF, what it is, is that that you can uh, you can you can go to uh, you can put in the Google right now. Put e Ethiopia rural uh, put Ethiopia rural India, and you won't get itch. Nothing gonna come up because they they want to pretend to you that that the Ethiopians because the Ethiopians is a well known Ethiopian means the black faces and see just the idea just the idea that 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 anybody from Africa could rule anybody else you see it's just it's an idea that 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 white people do not want you to know in this uh, in this PDF I explain how 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 black people black people from Ethiopia, modern Ethiopia. I'm talking about the Ethiopia that we call Ethiopia today. That people from modern Ethiopia ruled, ruled the Aryans. These are the white Indians. The Indians who think they're white, you know, not and that and that that people from Ethiopia ruled India for for hundreds of years. Wow. Hundreds of years. Wow. See? We had no idea. They were the main and dominant group there, and see, but but the European is not going to tell you that. That's why I wrote this PDF, and that's why I've written other PDFs. I, I write these PDFs so that you can get insight, so that you can get insight into into the real, the real real history. You know, the history that they don't teach you. See, they teach you a false history. For example, when they're talking about Cleopatra being white and all that type of stuff, and that she was Greek. They didn't want. They didn't want to show you any of the Egyptian official Egyptian monuments, the Egyptian uh, statuary of Cleopatra VII, which shows she was black. You see, they just showed you some made-up pictures, you know, some made-up, some made-up busts and all that type of stuff that didn't even exist that have no historical validity. You see, but see, just like the Egyptians and everybody else, they have. They want to steal your history. They don't want you to know your history. 
That PDF will tell you about a moment in history. It will tell you an aspect of history that nobody wants to talk about. See? Absolutely incredible. You know, absolutely and, and, incredible. And, and people don't even know that 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 the 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 history of Ethiopians they they talk about history even before even before Nama. Yes. Mm. Yes. Wow. Thirty one BC, and they 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 their history goes back to five thousand BC. Mm. You didn't know that because no, I did not. They don't never. They don't never want to tell you about our real history, because see, they got to curate our history, and our curate our history has to begin with the uh, the West African kingdoms, and then slavery. And in fact, slavery got to dominate everything. They don't even tell you what took place during slavery. So this PDF, I'm telling you, you should buy this PDF if you want to understand the history of the Ethiopians. Okay, uh, the slides from this presentation, they're going to be in my Patreon. And uh, you can go to my Patreon to see the slides. Uh, I'm at Twitter, Clyde uh, Winners 8. And uh, you can go see my YouTube videos. I have a lot of videos on uh, YouTube. I have a couple hundred of them. Okay, uh, Black is recognized as a legal term in law. In, in 2003, Supreme Court ruled in a redistricting case known as Georgia versus Ashcraft. That said, the current standard of who counts as black. <clears throat> Since this 2003 ruling by the Supreme Court, the definition of black has included every person who identifies as black on census forms. As a result, when black people tell, when some of these uh, Moors, Hebrews, when they tell you that uh, black is not a legal term, that's a lie, you see? But see, the problem, the problem with black people, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, when uh, Reverend Matthews was doing his, uh, his presentation on Sister Shanice. Black people, they keep thinking in terms of black and white as crayon colors. Black and white is, black and white is the, the whole idea of, of black and white groups is much more complicated than just a crayon color. Very, very complicated, very complicated, you see. And yet, and yet, and yet these people over here, they have a very primitive understanding of what black means, you see. You see, but uh, that's another story. B1 is acknowledging your black African ancestry and mind, not heritage. We must be race men and women proud of our culture and African black ancestry. What is B1? B1 is unity with mind. Dr. Marie Charles has noted that Kim Dijet Dimot. Kim Dijet Dimot. Kim Dijet Dimot. To be black, speak you mind. I have not done wrong. I have not robbed. I have not stolen. I have not slain people. <clears throat> I have not told lies. I have not stolen food. I was not sullen. I have not fornicated with the fornicator. I have not caused anyone to weep. I have not dissembled. I have not transgressed. I have not discussed secrets. I have brought no lawsuits. I have not wrongly copulated. I have not struck terror. I have not transgressed the law. I have not been hot-tempered. I have not been neglectful of truthful words. I have not cursed. I have not been violent. I have not confounded truth. I have not been impatient. 
I'm not cursed to God. I'm not mad at stalling a prayer. Come to shit. Come to shit. Be one is acknowledging your black African ancestry and mod, not heritage. <clears throat> we must be race men and women proud of our culture and African black ancestry. FBA is not a group. FBA is not an organization. FBA is a lineage. A lineage is lineal descent from an ancestor, ancestry or pedigree. As a result, we are descendants of the African and Aboriginal Blacks who built the United States. We are Aboriginal Black Indigenous people native to the United States. Yes, FBA, all the way, B1. FBA ancestry is African. FBA heritage depends on our tribal origins. Yes, yes, our heritages can be Baptist, Protestant, Moor, Hebrew, Cherokee, Uchi. But that doesn't mean too much of anything. That's your heritage. We're all unified in a sense by being having African ancestry to be FBA. To be FBA is to be a true Pan-Africanist. What are you talking about, Dr. Winters? Because when you say you're an FBA, you're including all the black identities that we have over here. Our identities as you as Uchi, Choctaw, Hebrew, Muslim, Moor, Catholic, Protestant. By, by saying you're FBA, you bring all of those diverse African people into one central group. You, they identify in a sense as black, foundational, and that means in a sense that they're one. So an FBA has to be a Pan-Africanist, and he's the ultimate Pan-Africanist because he wants all black people to come together, all black people to be what? Be one. Aboriginal FBA were the first slaves in the United States. Identity matters. You see, they use many terms to make us invisible, colored, minority, African-American. We just got through talking about these Latinos. They always call these Latinos brown. And they always tell you, oh, we got to get a black and brown coalition. But these so-called brown people, these Latinos, they put on their birth certificates, they're white. They're white. That guy who shot up all those people at the mall in Texas, they showed that he claimed he was white when they arrested him. You know, this time he got killed. When he got out, he said he hate, he hate black people. He hate Mexicans. He hate those other people. And when he got out of his car, he just started shooting. He shot he shot an Asian and uh, an Asian couple and they and they are uh, and one and one of their chi- their children. He shot Spanish. He he doesn't killing anybody. See. And then I told you how in Mexico they got Nazi organizations. And these mestizos, which, which were created by the Spanish by them raping white black women and, and raping Indian women, they call themselves Nazis. It is, you know, it's, it's not that many black people down in, in Mexico except in Oaxaca and in Chiapas. And yet, and yet we're always in the white mind. The white mind hates us. And you know, that's one of the reasons why. You guys better look at, you better look at that video that Dr. Matthews made yesterday about race technology, because you have to understand that white mind, that second frequency mind that makes him always feel that even if we're not around, they hate us. Even if we're not around, they fear us. Even if we're not around, they feel hunted by us. There's something wrong with second frequency. 
No doubt about it, Doc. No doubt about it. It's sad. And see, it that's, is. That's one of the reasons that Dr. Matthews is trying to help you guys to understand this, to understand what's going on out there, to make you understand why so many black people become susceptible to caves, culturally acquired immune identity deficiency syndrome. Check out that video. 200,000 FBA fought in the Civil War to free themselves. FBA culture is American culture. The food, the music, the language. You know, just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. Stop that saying that you ain't got no culture. And stop, and stop, and stop trying to say that there is an American culture without us. Their food, their music, their language, everything is about us. The greatest speakers of the of the Afro-American of the American English is who? James Earl Jones, the actor. Malcolm X. Jesse Jackson. Martin Luther King. These four men are, are always recognized as some of the most eloquent speakers of American English. They don't never mention any second frequency. So stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop trying to declare some people got a culture that don't have a damn culture. FBA built America before and after Europeans came to the U.S. We built the roads. We built the trains. <coughs> FBA made the inventions. We made all the inventions over here. We made the train work. We made the electric light bulb work. You know? We made the digital phone. We made it so you could, so that you could, so that we could be on the World Wide Web. Yeah, brother did that. See, we make it, then the, then the European get the, <laughs> the European, he get the copyright or he get the patent. We make it and he get the patent. Most of the time, you either give him the patent or he'll, or he'll have a man-to-man a, a -man talk with you with a gun to your head. See? Stop it. Just because today most black people want to just be basketball players, football players, that doesn't mean that there's not many of us who are scientists. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, it was, I saw on TV this guy, this kid in Africa. He made a robot out of cardboard. Robot out of cardboard. What, 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 what is this? Black excellence. That's right. You know, when, when they had that thing up in Flint, in Flint, Michigan, his brother took a machine up there to get them fresh water. I remember oh, that. See, stop thinking you're dumb. Stop letting them tell your children are dumb. Your children aren't dumb. Your children are smart. You're smart. You see, that's another thing that 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 yesterday, when uh, when when Reverend Matthews was talking about race technology. Is that we don't understand how how the European has to has to make it so we don't have any leisure time. He don't want you to have leisure time. That's what the Greeks and Romans said. They said that they said that the Egyptians they were able to, to make great discoveries and have a very beautiful civilization because they had leisure time. If you notice, black people we're always sick off of that battle fatigue. Facts. You know. Our mothers, my mama, by the time she got enough 40, she, she had high blood pressure up to the up to the ceiling. 
my wife, she had, she had, a, she had what? She had heart failure. And they told her she was going to die in 2002. But all praise the only God that she lived to, to 220. But she had high blood, she had high blood pressure. You know, she had, a, she had in a sense heart failure. You know, damn, get out of here. Every, just about every black woman out there, once they get in their 40s, if they got a family, they got some high blood pressure pills. And sometimes the brothers got them too. That covering the fact is that the European always keeps us upset. He always, he's always threatening us. He's always challenging us. And as a result, we're always, we're always in a pickle. And we're always, in a sense, trying to fight. And that's another thing. We have to fight all the time. You know, I, I saw this thing yesterday. And they was talking about, uh, 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 you know, uh, Judge Thomas. And they talked about how when he grew up, you know, a lot of the black kids, a lot of the uh, FBA agents called him Little Darky. He used to call him, talk about how black he was and how he used to talk Gullah Geechee. And they talked about how he couldn't hardly talk. That's why, he don't, you know, they always say he don't talk at the Supreme Court. That's because he's afraid he's going to go into his uh, Ebonics or, or a Gullah Geechee. <clears throat> but it's, it's just so sad that, that this brother, he hated himself for being black. You see, he hated himself for being black. And just, just like, just like uh, uh, Usher, just like Michael Jordan, he had a, a black wife at first, but in the end he married, this, he married this white woman because he wanted to get legitimacy. It's sad, it's sad. So many of our people, black men, black women, black men, not the only ones, but it's so many of our people because of the fact that they, that they catch caves culturally, acquired immune identity deficiency syndrome because they catch that you see they lose their immunity to whiteness and then some people they not only lose their immunity to whiteness you know as jones said they also lose their identity they begin to in their mind really think that they're white you couldn't tell usher you couldn't tell kanye you might say that you know you might want to tell them that they're black but in their mind, they think that why? What did OJ say? I'm not black. I'm OJ. That's what they think too. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm I'm not in a sense black. I'm oh, Michael Jordan. I'm not Usher. Yeah, I can dance like Michael Jackson and I can do their moves, but I'm Usher. I'm white like you. No, you're not white like them, and they know you're not white like them. And you know deep down you're not white like them, but you've lost your identity. And because you love your identity, you're in a fantasy world of your own creation. A fantasy world of your own creation. That's why you can have a Judge Thomas on the Supreme Court. And all he did was what? He wanted to keep the Higger down. You want to keep the Higger down. <laughs> I like that, Higger. <laughs> you want to keep him down. No, you ain't got no, no sense. You know that. You know you ain't got no sense. It's, it's already time for your medication already. I thought we were going to wait until we got into the presentation. <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking an Advil right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Calm me down. <laughs> you know, we every time we get economically independent, they come and burn it down and they tell us that we're lazy. 
they come and attack us with machine guns. And and the first the first bombs dropped out of a plane. It didn't take place during World War World War One. It took place in in 1919, 1990, 1920, with the uh, with the uh, Tulsa riot. You see, and the reason and the reason they dropped the bombs. Well, I have to admit, you know, the brothers they did have a machine gun, so they was cutting them cutting them down. So they. They had to, they had to eliminate that machine gun stuff, so they dropped they dropped the bomb. I dropped the bomb on you, baby. They dropped the bomb on you. Okay, that ad bill ain't working. That's not a that's not a pill you should be taking right there. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. I'm gonna get some. Aboriginal <laughs> <laughs> FBA adopted Mongoloid Indians and second frequently gave them their heritage. Uh, don't forget. Uh, you know, I uh, get my uh, Black History Gym Essays, Volume 1, Volume 2. They show all the uh, essays of uh, 2021, 2022. I'm, 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 I might not bring out, I might not bring out these essays into and uh, these PDFs. I might not put them into a volume. I might, I, I, I may not put them, but if you want to get my PDFs from last year, buy these volumes. But if you want to really understand how, how how the Indians ruled were being ruled by Ethiopians. You got to get my PDF this week. The Ethiopians rule Aryans in India. Yes, introduction. This is the agenda. Pondering the origin of the Ethiopian kings, Ethiopian navy, Naga were Buddhists, Dravidians conquered the Naga. In ancient times, Greco-Roman writers called Africa Ethiopia. Very important to understand is that is that. The, the, the country that today we call modern Ethiopia, they didn't really call themselves Ethiopia until the uh, until in a sense the about the last the last dynasty the Abbasid dynasty under Emperor Selassie. You see, when the Greco Romans talk about Ethiopia, they're talking about all of Africa. Ethiopia also often the term identified with the Kushites. Then some Romans said that that Africa included. Two different groups. You had Libya. Look at this uh, map on the right hand side. You had Libya, and then you had the Ethiopians. The Libyans, in a sense, were considered the Libyans were considered, in a sense, to be the people who lived, uh, you know, like, you know, in Egypt and above. And then the Ethiopians were the people, in a sense, that lived in uh, in Upper Kush, Lower Kush, or what we call Nubia. You see. Modern Ethiopia and Northeast Africa is a recent name for an African country which became popular to identify Abyssinia, of course. When you think about, when you think about in a sense, the uh, uh, Abyssinia, you think about the, uh, the, the obliques. You know, they took a lot, a lot of the obliques that, that, uh, that they have in different parts of the world, a lot of those obliques didn't come from Egypt. Many of them, they, they stole from Ethiopia. You also, in a sense, look at that middle picture you think about the churches that the Ethiopians built, modern Ethiopians built, they were they were built through solid rock. Yes, they dug through solid rocks and built this beautiful church in the middle. And then you think about their castles or their walls, and that would be that third uh, that third picture, you know, before we get to the map. But it's very important to understand that that Ethiopia, modern Ethiopia, was not the name of the ancient Ethiopia. When they talk about ancient Ethiopia, they're talking about the people who lived in Kush and, and, and all of Africa, depending upon the uh, period. <clears throat> so again, uh, you know, the Pills of Hercules, 
you know, the Red Sea, like we talk about the Red Sea. The Red Sea used to wasn't called the Red Sea. That's the uh, you see that 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 body of water between between um, Libya, Ethiopia, and Arabia. They used to call that the Ethiopian Sea. Yes, that wasn't called in a sense the Red Sea. They called it the Ethiopian Sea. You know, just for example, you know, just like uh, the uh, the sea up and up up in the up in the uh, Central Asia was called the Black Sea. You see. You know, but later in a sense, they changed the names because they, they have to hide this history and they want to hide this history. They want to hide this history of, of black people being the, the superior people, black people having a, a very beautiful civilization. They want to hide that. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, they gave a very beautiful uh, king list. And in this king list, they, uh, Wikipedia, they, uh, in this book called, uh, in this book called In the Country of the Blue, Blue, Blue Nile, it's written by C.F. Ray. And in, and, in, and in this book, In the Country of the Blue Nile, we find, in a sense, a list of the various Ethiopian kings. And it was written by uh, Tafari Makanen in 1930. And the king list includes 312 monarchs divided into eight dynasties. <clears throat> this is what I said. The king list... The Ethiopian, modern Ethiopian king list includes 312 monarchs divided into eight, eight, divided into uh, eight dynasties. The tribe of Aram, it goes back to 4,530 to 324 BC, and they had 21 kings. The tribe of Cam, it goes back to 27,000, I mean, 27, 2,713 to 1,985 BC, and they had 24 kings. Then you got the Idazinian dynasty, 1985 to 982 BC, the dynasty of Menelik, that's 982 BC to 493 AD. You got the dynasty of Caliph, 493 to 920 BC. You got the Zagwe dynasty, I mean uh, AD. Then you got the Zagwe dynasty, 920 to 1253. BC, uh, AD, and then you got the Solomonic uh, dynasty, which uh, was from uh, 1575 to 1779, and then the last uh, the last monarchy was the monarchy that was led by uh, King, uh, you know, uh, Haile Selassie. And uh, so we, and then when they talk about it, you have the Arwe kingdom, that's the mythical servant king who ruled for 400 years before being killed by Agabo, sometime known as the father of the Queen of Sheba. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, when when uh, when we look at the uh, when we look at the uh, the Namer the Namer tablet, we know that the Namer Namer, who was the uh, first king of uh, Egypt, he he, uh, he has in one of the one of the uh, one of the, uh, the the inscriptions from back then. It shows Heru, you know, killing the serpent, and it's and it's interesting how the Kushites in Nubia and the Ethiopians they 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 uh, in a sense. They uh, they worship uh, the serp the serpent. You know, I don't like to talk too much about uh, the serpent god uh, Nagashin. Maybe I'm just prejudiced, but I don't like to talk about Nagashin too much because uh, Nagashin is both good and to me he's more he's more evil a little bit. So I don't like to talk about Nagashin. But it's interesting that Hiru, when Hiru, in a sense, you know, when we see that Menelik. Menelik or, or Namar, when he when he united the Egyptian kingdom, you he, he left he left inscriptions where he saw, where we see Hero 
defeating the snake. And that snake, that serpent represented not just the Kushites, but also in a sense the Ethiopians, because often we like to think of the of the Ethiopians as mainly being Nubians. And we like to think of the Nubians as just being, in a sense, uh, some people who, who spoke maybe an African language. But we find in a sense is that it's kind of hard because many of the uh, many of the people who, who lived in Nubia in the Nile Valley, they also spoke Semitic languages like the Ethiopians. So it's very complicated. Then at the Yahweh kingdom, we have Ethiopus, a, a king who was was to have inspired the name of the country of Ethiopia, Makeda, the biblical queen of Sheba, who according to Ethiopian tradition is believed to be the, the mother of Menelik I. Menelik I, son of the queen of Sheba and King Solomon of Israel and founder of the Solomonic dynasty in the 10th century BC. Much information on this king comes from the 14th century text, the Cabra Nagas. However, the remains historically un, unverified. You know, they always say it's unverified because when you read the Cabra, the Cabra, the Cabra Nagas, it talks about the, the Ethiopians ruling, ruling not only not only Arabia and, and Yemen, but also India and Southeast Asia. So they want you to think about that. Because remember, black people, they can't rule, they can't even rule themselves. All they can do is it's just be slaves. So they had to create these lies so that so that black people stay in place. This is the uh, king list. And then and it's and it's list of kings. So you might want to get this book, you know. And this king list, it shows in a sense that 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 five thousand five hundred years before the birth of Christ was the first, was the first kings of Ethiopia. You know, remember, remember this is this isn't too far off because remember, even the Egyptians, we know that the Egyptians, the so-called, the so-called unification of, of Egypt began with Nama. And uh, you know, and that began in a sense around 3100 BC. But we see here, and remember the Egyptians, the Egyptians said that Pont was God's land. And 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 now we can see why they called they called, in a sense, uh modern Ethiopia God's land. They called it God's land because they have a list. The Ethiopians have a list that shows that their kings go back 5,500 year, years before the birth of Christ. That's over, that's over 2,000 years before the, before the birth of what we call Kamen. Think about that. But that's just to show you the antiquity of the country. Again, this uh, Ethiopian king list is in a uh, book called In the Country of the Blue Nile by C.F. Ray. <clears throat> in, modern, in modern Ethiopia, there were three great empires, Pont Awe, the Damant or Diamant Kingdom, Axum, and Abyssinia. The first kingdom of Ethiopia was founded by the Habesha, or Habashat, who were first mentioned in the Egyptian inscriptions of the 18th dynasty of Egypt in connection with the land of Punt. These are, these are kind of rough, rough years or chronology of some of the Ethiopian empires. Punt our way, that would be uh, 2,500 to 980 BCE. Diamond would be 700 BC to 650 BC. Axum or Axum, that would be 100 AD to 940 AD. The Zagwa dynasty, 940 AD to 1270, 1270, and then the Abyssinia. The Abyssinian dynasty, where they had the Magista Ethiopia, it uh, lasted from 1270 to 1974 in the uh, modern period. So as you can see, 
these are some of the various Ethiopian, modern Ethiopian civilizations. But again, I want you to remember that I'm talking about modern Ethiopia. I'm not talking about ancient Ethiopia. The Egyptians claimed that Punt was God's land. The Puntites spoke Semitic languages. Therefore, the Semitic languages are native to the Nile Valley. As a result, Semitic, Semitic should be recognized as an African language. I call the African Semitic languages Puntite languages. The Semitic-speaking people are native <laughs> to the Nile Valley in Northeast Africa. They did not originate in Arabia. You know, many are Hebrews, many are black Hebrews or black Jews, and uh, and some of the uh, some of the Moors, they believe in the sense that the Semitic languages originated maybe in uh, in Mesopotamia or Arabia. No, they didn't. No, they did not originate in Arabia or Mesopotamia. The Semitic languages were spoken in the Nile Valley. Yes, you know. A lot of times in the sense, especially a lot of black Hebrews, they want to uh, they want to act like they're God's chosen people. <clears throat> and because they want to act like they're God's chosen people, they always want to separate the uh, Shemites and the Hamites. That's, that's all bull. That's all bull. BS, BS, BS. I mean, even remember the founder of so-called the founder of the so-called black Hebrews was Abram. But remember, once he once he went in, once he went into to Arabia, and then later into Egypt, he changed his name from Abram to what? Abraham, Abraham. Because remember, it was the Hamites, the Egyptians, who built all the ancient civilizations. The curse was not on the Hamites. The curse was on Canaan, which is considered to be, you know, a Shemite. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, the European, because of the fact that, that he didn't want you to recognize the fact that the Hamites, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, and others, Elamites, that they were all Hamites, and that they built this great civilization, they didn't want you. To, they didn't want you to think that the Hamites built these great civilizations. They want you to just see them as slaves. That's why they said that the curse was on Ham when it wasn't. <clears throat> the Pun Empire was made up of people speaking diverse languages. The culture bearers may have been the Tigrina speakers, who called their language Abesha. I Abyssinian par excellence. Abyssia seems to represent an old name for Abyssinia, the ancient name for the modern-day Ethiopia, and may be connected with the Amharic word washa, a cave or cavern. The Semitic languages originated in the Nile Valley. Yes, yes. The existence of Punt in areas where Semitic languages are spoken, plus several Semitic languages in the Sudan, especially Abyssia, suggests the presence of Semitic speakers in the Nile Valley since pre-Egyptian times. The Egyptians referred to Punt as God's land. Punt is usually situated by researchers in the Red Coast, the Red Sea Coast, where the Mejai live, or into modern Ethiopia. This part of Afri Africa was called Maluha by the Assyrians and the Sumerians. These areas today are inhab inhabited by Semitic speakers, i.e. Habesha, and Ethiosemitic speakers. The intimacy between the Puntites and Egyptians <coughs> makes it clear that Semitic speakers were recognized as a respected population related to the Egyptians. This would explain the Semitic speaking population in our valley who are not Arabic speakers. Very important to understand that, uh, that the people in, the, in, the, uh, in, in, in modern day Sudan, they, some will speak Arabic but their native language is not Arabic. It's a different Semitic language. 
And we know in Tigray, there's, there's these semitic language called Abesha, Tigray, Tigrina, you know. But see, most people, in a sense, just automatically think that the main semitic languages were Arabic and Hebrew. No. Arabic and Hebrew are not the main semitic languages. This is why I call the African semitic languages Pontite languages, because the people who, 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 who created the civilization of Punt and who lived in Godland, they spoke semitic languages. That's why I call the Semitic languages Puntite instead of, in a sense, Semitic languages. You know, we see the ivory label of King Dan, Udimu, of the first dynasty shows us, in a sense, maybe some of the first Semitic speakers. In the Dan tablet, look at the Dan tablet. Take a look over there. It's over there on the right-hand side. Kind of take a minute to look at it. In the Den tablet, we see Den holding a mace smiting the enemy. The people are identified as Jawentich people with hunting bows and inhabitants of the Eastern Desert. The Jawentich were probably semantical Puntai speakers, yes. Look at that, look at that guy who is smiting, the Egyptian is smiting. See that beard on him. And see, this is a characteristic of the semantic people. You know, whereas the Egyptians didn't wear beards, we find that the semantic people in, in uh, the Nile Valley, they wore beards. And that's what we can see on his, on his Juventru people. That W on, on Juventru, that W means plural, that means more than one. The Eurocentric view of ancient Pun Ethiopia are the Axum Oblis, and you know, and the church made in the stone. This is what they mainly want to talk about Ethiopia. They don't want to go into to, to, to more detail about the Puntites or the Ethiopians. But but the Sumerians they talk about they talk about Punt, but in the Sumerians to the Sumerians Punt would have been Maluha. The people of modern Ethiopia have been known throughout history as navigators and shipbuilders, up to the introduction of Europeans into the Indian Ocean. In Sumerian and Akkadian texts, Ethiopia was called Maluha. The ancient Egyptians named Ethiopia modern Ethiopia Punt, due to the mercantile character of the people of Ethiopia throughout history. Ethiopians sailed their ships on the Red Sea, Persian Gulf, and Indian Ocean. Uh, look at this map. In this map, you can see uh, Megan. Magan was the name of Egypt. Then below, uh, then below Megan, Magan, we see Maluha. Then we can go into uh, Mesopotamia. We see Sumer, and then we see Delman. Delman was the name that the Sumerians called the Indus Valley. They called the Indus Valley Delmun. You see. The Europeans, they tried to say that Dilmun was along the Arabian coast. That's all bullish. They, they made that ish up so that they could uh, maybe get some money from those Arabs when they got rich. So they could get some money and uh, make, the, make it look as though the uh, people in Saudi Arabia have a history, which they don't. <clears throat> because the Maluha or the, uh, the, the modern Ethiopians, they ruled, they ruled not only north, much of Northeast Africa, they also ruled most of uh, Arabia and especially Yemen. You know, that's why we find in a sense that that the uh, that the South Indian, the South Arabic languages are are more closely related to the uh, Ethiopian languages like Diaz, you know, and, and Habasha, Tigrina, than they are to uh, than they are to modern Arabic or Hebrew. Point. Ethiopians were great sailors. They established trading colonies throughout the Indian Ocean up to Southeast Asia and India, especially during the our, our way and Punt Kingdom. 
As a result, they were known throughout history as great businessmen and warriors. Naga, Nagash was the title king. Yes, yes. The title for king in the Ethiopian, in, in ancient Ethiopia, especially the kingdom of our way, was Naga or Nagash. And that meant king. The ability of the Ethiopians themselves is supported by the title Bahar Nagash, ruler of the maritime province of Eritrea, you see. You can see in the in the, uh, the top map on the right hand side we show we show uh, the ship that uh, Queen Hatshepsut she uh, she sent a uh, trading mission to uh, to Ethiopia to uh, to Punt. and this is how the uh, the ship looked. This is from Dier but but Dier 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 one of those uh, sites that Hatshepsut Queen Hatshepsut built. Then the lower map we can see how they uh, how they organized in a sense, the uh, what we call uh, Kush or the Nubian, upper, upper and lower Nubia. And these include Wawat, Medjai, the uh, Urchid, Sedju, Temek, Yam, Punt. And so you can see these various civilizations. The interesting thing about uh, this whole idea is that, uh, that, that much of, much of uh, Egyptian civilization, it was always coming from, it was always coming from Upper Egypt, which would be in the south, and it would, and it was spread to the north, and that's very interesting. But that's another story. We're talking about Ethiopians today. Uh, on the, uh, you know, uh, Queen Hatshepsut, she uh, she puts on the uh, on her inscriptions. She uh, shows the Puntai king Parahu and his wife Adi. In Ethiopia, there were three great, three great empires: Puntawe, Diamond, BC. Much of what we know about Punt comes from the Deir El Bahai temple. On and the uh, Deir El Bahai temple that was supposed to be built by uh, Queen Hatshepsut. On this mural is depicted the Pontai king Parahu on the right. See on the far right, that's that's the uh, Pontai king Parahu, and his wife Adi. Note that King Parahu wears a beard. The beard of Parahu is further confirmation that the bearded figure on the Den ivory tablet is related to the population identified as Pontai. In Egyptian records. Like, like the Druminites, the Puntites wore beards. These are uh, these are some more uh, you know, these are some more people from Punt, and they're carrying the uh, carrying the uh, merchandise to the Egyptian ships, and you can see that they also wore beards like the Druinites. The Egyptian presence of Semitic speakers in the Nile Valley is supported by supported by one, the presence of Druinitsis, Abasha, and colloquial Sudanese Arabic in the Sudan and Nile Valley, and two Semitic loanwords in ancient Egyptian and Merodic of a Semitic origin, but not Arabic. If Semitic languages in the Sudan were the first, were the result of the spread of Islam, you know the people in the people in the Sudan today. They would be speaking Arabic, but they don't speak Arabic. They speak, in a sense, a different dialect, and their dialect is not Arabic. Their their dialect their their dialect is called colloquial Sudanese Arabic, but CSA is not Arabic, or the Arabic spoken by the Arabs. You know, some people locate Naga in many places around the world, but the original Naga were the Ethiopians who ruled much of India. These Ethiopians were called Naga. It was the Naga who created 
Devanagari. Devanagari is the name of the uh, of the ancient writing system used by the people in India and uh, South Asia. And, and it's very interesting that we see that 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 many other figures of these Naga rulers they usually, in a sense, they usually have a, a background. And in this background, look on, on the left hand side. This background it usually includes serpents. And I guess this goes back to this whole idea of uh, of the serpent. The serpent is a ruler. I think, what was the name? I can't think of the name of uh, of that serpent god. But it's the same. It's, it's I can't think of the name of the serpent god in, in Ethiopia right now. But again, it's these snakes. And uh, what's very interesting is that that these uh, that these Ethiopian kings, in a sense, they practice Buddhism. See, people people make a mistake over here. Over here, over here, in a sense, they uh, they always teach you that Buddhism is a religion. Buddhism, Buddhism isn't necessarily a religion. Buddhism is more a philosophy. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. Whereas, whereas, in a sense, is that 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 people get that mixed up and they don't understand that 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 you can be a Buddhist and you can still maybe believe in Jesus Christ. Or you can be a Buddhist and still believe in Islam, or as among the uh, Ethiopians, you can be a, a Buddhist. And still believe in your in your serpent god. Ethiopian trade in Indian Ocean Point and the Queen of Sheba. This view is supported by the archaeological evidence that support a close relationship between the Puntites, Ethiopians, and Nubians. For example, according to Fatovich, the pottery from the Tahama cultural complex, another Ethiopian site shows similarities to Kerma and Sea Group pottery. Yes, yes. And the Tahama civilization was not only not only in Northeast Africa, it was also the Tahama culture is also found in uh, Saudi Arabia. And the interesting thing is that the artifacts from the Tahama culture, which is considered to be the earliest culture of the people who lived in Saudi Arabia, these artifacts go back to uh, ancient Nubia. Yes, ancient Nubia. But they don't want to tell you that. They want you to always believe in a sense that that it was that that the white man was going around spread civilization, that the white man was starting civilizations. No. No, most of what they teach you in history about Europeans or second frequency is a lie. They have no history. That's why they're always trying to hijack our history. Ethiopian civilizations and civilization in Nubia make it clear that the Ethiopians would have been familiar with the ancient writing systems used in this area. The original Naga people of Ethiopian and Indian tradition have nothing to do with the Burmese people of the extreme northeast of India. In other words, if you uh, if you put in a compute, if you put in the, in the Google now, they're going to uh, show you some uh, some uh, some Asian people in Burma, and they're going to tell you, "Oh, these are the Naga. Those are not the Naga people. That's not they're not the Naga people." But they'll tell you that these Burmese people are the Naga because they don't want you to see yourself. When you look at those Naga statues, you see people that look just like you, look like me, look like us. These Naga people that are not mentioned in ancient Indian tradition. The real name for these Mongoloid people is Naka. Naka, not Naga, Naka. They are recent immigrant migrants into uh, India. Ancient Ethiopian tradition support the rule of Ethiopians of India. In the Kebra Nagas, we find mention of the Yahweh kings who ruled India. The founder of the dynasty was, was Zabisi and Gabo. This dynasty, according to the Kibra Nagash, began around 1370 BC. 
these rulers of India and Ethiopia were called Nagas. You know, Ethiopians were ruling India and South Southeast Asia for over five hundred years. They don't tell you that. They don't teach you that. But if you find, if you get this PDF, you'll find out that and even more information. Stop, 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 stop waiting for Europeans to tell you your history. They're not going to tell you your history. To them, the history of black people that black people should know is that they were slaves. They always were slaves. They never had ish. It's always waiting for the European to bring them something. But they're lying to you. A reading of ancient Dravidian literature, which dates back to 500 BC, gives us considerable information on the Naga. An Indian tradition, the Naga won central India from the Villawar, bowmen, and the Minivar, fishermen. The Naga were great seamen who ruled much of India, Sri Lanka, and Burma. Yes, and also much of the rest of Southeast Asia. To the Aryans, they describe they describe the Naga as half man and snake. The Tamil knew them as warlike people who used the bow and the noose. Again, if you remember, the, the Ethiopians or the Naga and the Kushites, what are they associated with? To show you that they're the same people, you know, they may have just spoke different languages, is that the Kushites were known for what? Being bowmen. We find Ethiopians were known as being bowmen. And also the Magi, the Magi, which became the, the principal bowmen of the uh, of ancient uh, Kemet. They were also bowmen, but they were called Magi. Here we can see, here we can see, in a, here we can see uh, some, uh, an illustration from the Akeber uh, Nagas, and we can see an, uh, we can see an Ethiopian uh, priest opening up this book. Look at that book. Look how old it is. But this is, this Kebra Nagas, this is what their history is. This is where we learn about the Ethiopian kings, the Ethiopian queens, you see. But the Europeans, they don't want you looking at that. They want to tell you what you need to know. The Ethiopians controlled trade in the Red Sea, which was originally called the Ethiopian Sea. In fact, the Ethiopians controlled trade from Northeast Africa, Southern India, all the way to Southeast Asia. And, and we know also the Aryans said they even, even controlled much of Central India and North India. Yes, that was, the, that was the Ethiopians from modern day Ethiopia. Even though we know that the Ethiopians had a long history of navigation in the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean, many people may not know that according to Dravidian history, the, the Ethiopians once ruled much of India, Sri Lanka and Burma, or Myanmar. They were called the Naga. The Naga kings ruled many Indian cities, including Katapuri, Mathura, Padmarvadi, Vidishiva. The 12 Naga rulers so far are known from these places. The ability of the Ethiopian as sellers is supported by the title Bahnagash, rulers of the maritime trade. Yes, yes, Ethiopians were great seamen. The, the earliest mention of the Naga appear in the Ramayana. They are also mentioned in the Mahabharata. In the Mahabharata, we discover that the Naga had the capital had the capital city in the Deccan, and other cities spread between the Juma, Jumna, and Ganges River as early as 1300 BC.
1300 BC, the Ethiopians were, were, were ruling up in North and Central India. Why won't they tell you that? They don't want to tell you that. Because if they tell you that, you know that you that you're that you're wise people. You know that you weren't just stay-at-home landlubbers. They want they want you to always believe that black people were landlubbers. They want you to believe that black people couldn't swim, don't like swimming, didn't definitely didn't build ships. But that's why you're here to learn the truth, to know the truth. And be mindful of the truth. The Dravidian classic, made it clear that the first great kingdom of India was Naganadu. Kanakasabai writes that the Ethiopians of Naga kingdom in India had its capital city in the Deccan Plateau and that other cities spread between the Jumna, Yumaona, and Ganges River. You see? In the Indian epic poem, the Mahabharata, King Thas. Shaka, king of the Naga, was fighting the Aryan who were trying to take control of the Ethiopian or Naga cities in India. Yes, 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 yes. Here we can see in the middle, we can see some of these uh, these Ethiopians uh, worshiping their, their serpent god. Ancient Ethiopian traditions support the rule of the Puntites or Ethiopians in India in the Kabira Nagash. We find mention of the Yahweh kings who ruled India. The dynasty was founded by Zabesi and Gaba, Gabo and began circa 1370 BC. These rules of India, Sri Lanka, and Ethiopia were the Naga. They were associated with serpents and serpent worship. The Queen of Sheba and the Empire of Menelik I. Okay, in this map on the uh, right-hand side, you can see some of the Ethiopians who lived in the Deccan. You can see some of the rivers up north. Where they would which they control and uh we can see ethiopians in the deccan naga colonies were in the deccan and on the east coast between the kabiri and vaigai rivers in the cavern nagas claims that queen menelik the queen of the south who is believed to be the queen of sheba had servants and merchants who traded for her at sea and on land in india and and aswan it also says that her son, Ebna al-Hakim, Menelik I, also called David II, campaigned in the Indian Ocean. And the king of India gave gifts and donations and prostrated himself before him. It also states that Menelik I ruled the empire that extended from the rivers of Egypt, the Blue Nile and the White Nile, to the west and from the south of Shoah in today's Ethiopia to East India. The Kabbalah Nagas identification of an Indian of an Eastern Indian Empire ruled by the Naga, corresponding to the Naga colonies in the Deccan and on the east coast of India, between the Kabiri and the Aigai rivers. This is what is written in the Cabernet Nagas, chapter 20. From the middle of Jerusalem and from the north thereof to the southeast is a portion of the Emperor of Ram. And from the middle of Jerusalem, from the north thereof, to the south and to the western India, is the portion of the emperor of Ethiopia. For both of them are the seed of Shem, the son of Noah, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the children of Solomon. For God gave the seed of Shem glory because of the blessings of, of their father Noah. The emperor of Rome is the son of Solomon, and the emperor of Ethiopia 
is the firstborn and eldest son of Solomon. That's from the Kebra Nagas. The Kebra Nagas asks in chapter 21, and in the words of ends of the earth, he maketh an allusion to the delicacy of the constitution of women and the long distance of the journey and the burning heat of the sun and the hunger on the way and the thirst for water. And the queen of the south was very beautiful in face and her stature was superior and her understanding and intelligence, which God had given her, were of such high character that she went to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now this was done by the command of God. And it was his good pleasure, and moreover, she was exceedingly rich. For God had given her glory, and riches, and gold, and silver, and splendid apparel, and camels, and slaves, and trading men, or merchants. And they carried on her business, and trafficked for her by sea, in the land, and in India, and in Aswan. Yes, yes, yes. This is just to show you. You know, the Queen of Sheba, you know, she was ruling what? She was ruling Northeast Africa, and she was ruling uh, South India, South South Arabia, India, various parts of India, all the way, all the way to South Southeast Asia. Yes, yes. You didn't know that, did you? They don't tell you that, do they? No. The Cayman Agash records the following in chapter ninety-four. And the queen returned and encamped in the city of Zion. And they remained therein three months. Then their wagon moved on and came to the city of the government. And then one day they came to the city of Saba. And they laid waste Noba. And from there they camped around about Saba. And they laid it waste as far as the border of Egypt. And the majesty or awe of the king of Ethiopia was so great that the king of Median and the king of Egypt caused gifts to be brought unto him. They came into the city of the government, and from there they encamped at Abat, Abat, and they waged war on the country of India. And the king of India brought a gift and present, a tribute, and himself did homage to the king of Ethiopia. He, i.e. David, waged war wherever he pleased. No man conquered him. On the contrary, whoever attacked him was conquered. And as for those who would have played the spy in his camp in order to hear some story and relate it in their city, they were unable to run by the wagons for Zion herself made the strength of the enemy to be exhausted. But King David with his soldiers and the armies of his soldiers and all those who obeyed his word ran by wagons without pain or suffering and without hunger or thirst and without sweat or exhaustion and traveled in one day a distance which usually took three months to traverse. As you can see from the Kebra Nagas, the Ethiopians or Naga were once rulers of India. Yes, yes, yes. Look at what I read to you. It is so many, it is so many movies that 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 black people could make about our history that could really show our children, give them black heroes who could make who could inspire them to want to be explorers, to want to be engineers, to want to be scientists, to want to want to spread this knowledge. Look at all these great stories of our ancestors, these great stories of our history. But we don't do that. We're always waiting for the white man. We're waiting for second frequency to spend their money. We have great stories to tell. Great stories to tell. You know, uh, Shanice, Sister Shanice, she did a wonderful book on Ofa. 
and she talks about the Anglo-Saxon. I mean, that's a black hero from from ancient Britain that 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 black people in Britain can look up to, and they can admire. We need to make movies. We need to write more books. We need to let people know about our heroes, our black heroes, so our children can have some some great men and women that they can aspire to become. Yeah, we know about Harriet Tubman. We know about John, you know, John Brown, who was white. We know about Nat Turner. But we had other heroes too. We had other heroes. The Naga were a dominant group on the coast of India. Here the Ethiopians were fishermen or seafarers. The Yarns were, were taught <coughs> writing and weaving by the Ethiopians or Nagas. A major Ethiopian group was situated in the kingdom of Aksum, or the kingdom of Aksum. The Kasum, the Aksumite Empire was centered in Northeast Africa, South Arabia, and it was the most important, the most important empire in classical antiquity up to the Middle Ages. You know, uh, many of the uh, Nagas, they had a, a specific hairstyle. The major Naga tribes were the Marva, Ibena, Oliar, Aviar, Aruvalur, and Paratavar. The Nagas resisted the invasion of the Sholas. In the, Kali, the Kalitokai 4, the Naga are described as long, being of strong limbs and hardy frames, and fierce-looking tigers wearing long and curled locks of hair. Wait, wait a minute, what? What did they say? The Nagas, they had strong limbs and hardy frames, and fierce, and they were fierce-looking tigers wearing long and curled locks of hair. Yes, yes. Those dreads that we wear today, that's nothing new. That's what our warrior class, our strong warrior class, our male class, what they wore back in the days, but they don't want you... They don't want you to see, in a sense, a strong black man. They want to put in the media today some some effeminate some, some effeminate black man, or they want to have a damn uh, a damn uh, you know a gay person. Every movie you see now, every movie you see now, if 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 it's a if it's a black person in that movie or a black person in a TV show, he's always gay or she's gay. Even the women now, they got to make them gay. They either gay because they don't want you to see strong black men. They don't want you to have a new idea that you can have the strength to fight. They have to keep you thinking you're a minority. They have to keep you thinking that you're weak. They have to keep you thinking that you're not strong. They have to think that you need to be always led by second frequency, led by white folks, which is a lie. Because the Ethiopians had conquered India, they probably called the Ethiopians Naga, which was probably meant Lord. To the Indians. The ancient Ethiopians probably wore dreadlocks like other Hebrews. Look at these uh, dreadlocks. But but this can kind of, when you get that description from, from ancient Dravidian writings about how the Ethiopians look, you can see these hairstyles. You can see where they came from. Why is nothing new? The Naga Nagash was the title for the king of the ancient Semitic speaking people, what is today Ethiopia. These people lived in our way, an ancient kingdom important. The ability of the Ethiopians to grace here affairs is supported by the whole idea of Bar, Bar Nagash, rulers of the sea. As Kana Sabagai notes, 
here's an uh, here's an uh, on the uh, left right hand side I, I show this book by Kanaka uh, Sabai, and uh, it's called the Tom Mills eighteen hundred years ago. This is a fantastic book. I love I love reading it, and I've uh, I've written a lot about it over the years. But again, uh, this is uh, this book was written by uh, by Kanaka Sabai, and he wrote that the Nagas are mentioned in Dravidian classic texts known as the Kalito Kai. And the Chilapapadikaran or the Chilapatikaran, the earliest mention of the Naga appear in the Indian epic poems, the Ramayana. The Chilapapadikaran makes it clear that the first great kingdom of India was the Naga Nadu. The major Naga tribes were the Madhavar, the Iyanar, the Olivayar, the Abiyar, the Aruvalur, and the Paratarabar. They resisted the invasion of the Chola, which was the Tamil dynasty. In the Kurgan of India, these people were likely called Naga, or lords by the people. They are believed to have taught the Aryans how to write and weave. Okay, uh, on the left-hand side, we see some examples of the Nagas that the, uh, that the Aryan Indians left us. The Naga describes the Nagas half human and, and half serpent. Indeed, in Indian Southeast Asian art and in Indian art, the Naga are represented as by men and women with a hood made up of serpents that surround the back of their, their statues as Naga elites. You can, as you can see, look on the on the right hand side. You see, you see the uh, various Nagas, and you see the various, you know, uh, the various serpents. They, the hood, the hood, the hood that was made of serpents. Let's look at this further. The rank of each Naga world was identified by the number of serpents in the dignitary's hood. Kanasagavai notes that in the sculptures, the Naga kings were represented by hoods with five to seven serpent heads. The prince and princesses by a hood of three serpents and the ordinary Naga with a single serpent-headed hood. So whenever you see these, whenever you see, in a sense, the various uh, Nagas and the hood that they wear, it, it describes who they were. You see? Kings, five to seven. Princes and princesses, three serpents. Ordinary Naga, that's one serpent. The Naga were Buddhists. They also were, they also ruled Sri Lanka or Ceylon. <clears throat> the ancient uh, time, Sri Lanka was called the Nagavita. Ethiopian capital was Kalyani. Okay, here we see a Naga. Let's count those serpents. See, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we know that this was a Naga king because he has those seven serpents, that seven serpent hood. In Indian and Southeast Asian art, the Ethiopians and Naga were represented by Woman, serpents with hoods. Kanasagavai knows in the sculptures, the Ethiopians and Naga represent the king with five, seven hoods. The princes by three hoods and ordinary, ordinary Nagas with a single hood. Here we see some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the uh, various uh, Southeast Asian people. Today you go to Southeast Asia, you don't see nothing but, but uh, those, uh, you know, you don't see black people too much. And that's because of the fact that many of them were exterminated or, or, they, were, or they were ran out of the country. But as you can see, the, the 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 great kingdoms in Southeast Asia they were ruled by black people. Look at this up. Uh, 
look at this uh, leader of these uh, sham of these of these sham people, and uh, you can see that uh, guy riding the elephant. Look at those features. That looks like my cousin. What you doing, there, Anthony? Here's another is another Buddha protected by Naga. Again, we see our seven hoods. Look at that face. Look at those ears. Look at that uh, yoga pose. Today, Eurocentric scholars teach that the Indians toward writing to the Ethiopians. Oh, Ethiopian writing came from Yemen. Yet the name Nagari for Sanskrit portrays the Ethiopian origin for this form of writing. And Giaz, and Giaz, the term Nagar, Nagar means speech or, or to speak. Thus we have in Giaz, with the addition of the pronouns Nagara, he spoke, Nagash, she spoke, and Nagarku, I spoke. William Jones, he was an, uh, he was an Egyptian, he was an, uh, an, uh, English, an English administrator over in, uh, over in India back in the day when India was a colony in the early days. And William Jones explained that the Ethiopian origin of Sanskrit was supported by the fact that both writing systems went from the left to right and the vowels were annexed to the consonants. Today, Eurocentric scholars teach that the Indians taught writing to the Ethiopians, yet the name Nagari for Sanskrit portrays the Ethiopian origin of this form of writing. Moreover, it's interesting to note that Sanskrit vowels A, A, E, U, E, O, Varama, etc., are in the same order as in Giaz. Yes, yes. But again, that European is always trying to make it look as though anything that came among black people had to come from somewhere else, instead of admitting that it was black people who created in the first place. But see, if you knew, if you knew that black people created these things, and therefore, in a sense, you can understand where you're coming from. See, see, a lot of a lot of people understand. You know, I take the time to write these PDFs because people are always write to me, Dr. Winter, so and so I'm in an argument. And uh, can you give me some? Uh, can you give me some ammunition? Can you give me some receipts so I can show that this or that group of people are black? And so then, uh, so then I, I send them these receipts. And see, that's what that PDF is. That PDF, that PDF, is written by me to allow you to be able to have the receipts so that you can tell people where they can go and find more information. Well, you can always win any debate that you're in with Europeans when they try to argue with you about. Black civilizations, if you buy my PDFs, you're going to have the ammunition to be able to argue, to be able to let them know that you know the truth and that they're lying or that they don't know what they're talking about. The or origin of Devin Nagati was a trade language or lingua franca. It's evident in any discussion of this term. Sanskrit was and has always been mainly an oral language until Panini and others wrote a grammar for it. This is why neither the Gies, a Sanskrit word for writing was ever applied to Devanagari. It is for this reason that it was called Deva plus Nagari, the sacred speech. So Sanskrit is called Devanagari, the sacred sacred speech. And I've already told you that uh, that from, from Ethiopian language like Gies, you know, Nagari, means speech. There is no Indian etymology that explains the Nagari as the name for the uh, Sanskrit language. 
It is clear that Devanagari means divine city or sacred city or city of God. That is why the term script is placed in brackets in definition meaning the urbane script of the deities equal God's idea divine urban script. That's how the uh, that's how many uh, people in India want to define it because they don't really they don't have a word to really express what it means. There's nothing in Sanskrit that allows the term Devanagati to represent anything but Deva, sacred deity, God, Nagati, city of the city. For example, let's look at Deva, e.g. Devada plus Maya, containing all the gods, Deva plus Putra, son of God, Deva plus Nadi, divine river, Deva plus Linga, statue of God, and Deva plus Nagati, sacred city. Let's look at Nagati. Avanti plus Nagari, the city of Ugalayadit. These Sanskrit examples make it clear that, that the Deva and Nagari has nothing to do with writing. Some researchers have claimed that Deva Nagari sacred or vain writing because they want to have an etymology for this term. It is noted by the Wikipedia site, Sanskrit is often simply known as Nagari. This supports my earlier view that the Ethiopian term Nagati was used to represent writing by the inventors of Sanskrit, which was probably used as a lingua franca by the Ethiopians who ruled India and lived primarily in the Indian urbane, urban areas. This means that Devanagati is sacred writing, not urbane script of the, of the deity. You see. You know, the, inter the interesting fact is that, now this was, this was look at that boat over there. You know, you know, when we think about sails, well, we also saw it on, on, on the boat that the Egyptians uh that 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 uh, that uh that Pharaoh Hashem sent to uh to, to point but as you can see, uh these uh these black people they had sails back then on their ships. So they knew they knew how the winds could carry their ship from place to place. This was a, a high technological achievement, you see. But again, as I told you, is that that if you try, if you try to, in a sense, uh, tell somebody, oh, Sanskrit is a, of Ethiopian, Ethiopian origin, they'll argue you down and say you're a lie. Sanskrit is from India. Don't you know Panani wrote it? But see, if you have my PDF, if you have my PDF, you'll see the footnotes, and you'll see you'll be able to break that down so that if somebody tried to argue with you, you would have the receipts. I don't write. I don't write those uh, PDFs for nothing. That takes a lot of time. And that's one of the reasons why I thank uh, the people who join my Patreon. Because it's the people who join my Patreon, when they when they donate that that $5, you know, on my Patreon, what they're doing is giving me the financial support to be able to do the research I do. I have to pay for a lot of books. I have to pay, I have to go to libraries and download and make copies of information. And that costs money. And that's what makes me so happy to have the patrons in my Patreon that, that allow me to be able to do this good research. And this research and that PDF I wrote, that's coming from the, the ability of me to have the monies to find the resources, to write these things up, to do these lectures, you see, to do these slides. That comes from my Patreon supporters. Thank you guys. They use, they use the term Nagari due to the fact that Sanskrit was originally a lingua franca. And that's what it's all about. Here we can see some of the uh, some of the various, uh, you know, Indian writing down at the bottom. 
Remember, Giyaz, the writing of the Ethiopians, dates back to 500 B.C. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean the Ethiopians have writing that goes back to 500 B.C.? Whereas Brahmi, which was used in India, it only dates to 264 to 271 B.C. Yes. Brahmi is considered to be one of the oldest writing systems in India, and it only go to 264 but we have uh, we have Giyas inscriptions going back 500 BC. As a result, Devanagadi has nothing to do with Brahmi. Brahmi is a syllabary, whereas Devanagadi is an Abu Gita, you know, an alphabetic language. I'm telling you guys, if you wanna if you wanna have some exciting reading about Indian history, about the Ethiopian history, about Ethiopian civilization, you gotta buy your copy of the uh, Kepala Nagis. They have it translated into English, French, whatever. Try to get a copy of that. The Naga were a dominant group on the coast where they were fishermen. You can uh, find uh, in, in the Maharajwanso, they can talk about in a sense as a Buddhist book, but it mentions some of the uh, some of the various uh, you know uh, uh, Naga kings and Naganathan, Naganathonar, Nagaraja, you know, and uh, Nagavipta. Here we can see some of the, uh, here again, we can see a Naga. This is, uh, we can see this Naga and we see we see that this is a Naga king. And how do we know he's a Naga king? Because we can count those serpents. What do we see? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And you can see his subjects around him. You know, very interesting. The Naga Ethiopians were defeated by Dravidian-speaking people from Kumadi Nadu, or Kumadi Kandam, a large island or continent that is supposed to have existed in the Indian Ocean, and which connected India with East Africa and other lands. This land mass is mentioned in the Silapodekaram as being made up of seven, not seven Nadus or regions. Uh, this is the, uh, you can see this uh, map. That's how they believe that, uh, that uh, Tamanadu existed. It was a Pandian kingdom. But see, you could walk, but see, it was a land bridge. You see where they have Madagascar and they cut it off? It was a land, it was a land bridge that it, that connected Madagascar to Africa. So you could walk, you could, you could walk straight from Africa. You could walk straight from East Africa into Kamadi, into Kamadi Naru, Tamil Naru. Then you could walk, then you could walk, once you get to Tamil Naru, Kamadi Naru, you could walk all the way into uh, South India. Or you can walk into Australia. See? Very, very, very interesting. Kamadi Nadu was ruled by the Pandians or Pandians at Madura in South India before it sank beneath the sea. The greatest king of Kamadi Nadu was Sengun. According to the Dravidian scholars, the Pandians worshiped the goddess Kamadi Amon or Amma. This Amma probably corresponds to the ancient god. Amun of the Kushites of today in Sudan, oh, oh, the guy that we call Amun today. You know, here we can see some of the uh, Cham. These are the Chams, the Cams that lived in uh, on the right, on the right hand side. Those are some of the uh, so, the uh, Cham, the Chamites or Camites, uh, soldiers from uh, Southeast Asia, Angkorat, Angkorat, and other places. In summary, Naga was a name for the Ethiopians who ruled India. They were great navigators and monarchs.
They ruled India for hundreds of years, beginning with the Yahweh Kingdom, and the Ethiopians ruled India, where they proudly introduced Buddhism and the ancient Indian writing system, Nagadi. Okay, uh, the slides are going to be in my Patreon, so go to Patreon to see the slides. Please join my Patreon. Please support me in uh, my research efforts, and also go to uh, Dr. Uh, Matthews, Dr. Matthews' staff on Patreon too. Support him. This research that he just did on, uh, on on race technology and others, this is done from the support of his Patreon people. We need your support to be able to do the research we do. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Clyde Winners Eight. Uh, you can go to YouTube to see my videos. I have hundreds of videos on YouTube, and you can get my books at Amazon.com. Don't forget to uh, buy my, uh, if you want to get some of my readings, I know that uh, that uh, I, I had an email from Marie, from uh, Dr. Marie uh, Charles, and she said, she said, Clyde, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the, the Black History Gems. She says that she's using my uh, Black History Gems, which are my PDFs that, uh, from last year, from the uh, lectures I did last year, she said they're helping her to do her research. I'm telling you guys that if you get the PDF today and you buy and you buy these volumes of, uh, of my uh, of my podcast from last year, these PDFs in a sense will give you the groundwork, will give you the knowledge that can help you to really be able to know our history and our world history. Also, uh, just as I told you, you know, uh, Dr. Matthews was on a, on a Sister Shanice show, and uh, he talked about systemic racism as a technology. And uh, you've got to look at this video, please. Please. If you want to understand how racism is affecting us, if you want to understand why so many people like, uh, like Usher and, and Mike and uh, Michael, Michael, and Jordan, Frederick Douglass, and these other black men who feel that they're not, they're not really men or men of stature until they marry a white woman or Latina, you've got to check out part one of uh, Reverend Dr. Matthews' talk on systemic racism. And you can find this on the Sister Shanice uh, YouTube page. Go there. Also, uh, uh, go to Swarty Nerd. If you go to Swarty Nerd, uh, Swarty Nerd, they did uh, they did four videos, you know, unveiling the untold story of Dr. Clyde Winters on FBA. And uh, Swarty, Swarty Nerd, it's an uh, it's a it's a it's a uh, web it's a web a YouTube web web uh, site. And what they do is that they've been able to uh, condense my uh, my uh, my talk or my lecture. And the four four separate videos. It's four videos on Swarthy Nerd, where where they talk unveiling uh you know, the untold story of Dr. Clyde Winters and I talk about FBA, and and the reason that they made four videos is that they wanted they wanted in a sense not only have me talking about things, but they wanted to show the receipts. So that's what it's all about. There's a war going on now, and there's a war. Is there's a war between the truth and a lie. And see, that's why we're presenting this history. We're presenting this history so that you can have an understanding, but you got to have the receipts. I'm telling you, go to Swarthy Nerd. We've got four videos 
where I talk about various aspects of FBA history, FBA society, FBA culture, FBA civilization. You got to go there, check out Sword the Nerd, check out all four of those videos, show them some love, and also learn more about FBA. Thank you. All right, family. That was absolutely amazing, Dr. Winters, as always. Uh, wow, we had no idea that Sanskrit came from us, uh, that, that, that we ruled uh, uh, India. That's, that's, it does make sense when you, when you understand the, the logic, the anthropology, the archeology, span the linguistics of it, but it's not something that's just top of mind. It's so, it shows how deeply uh, proselytized we have been uh, and, what, and, and that second frequency interruption that we have been under that we just, we, 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 don't, we don't know our history until we hear it. You know what I mean? Until it breaks down like this. And this was absolutely amazing. Great job. And, and but, but also you have, you, have to, you have to understand too, is that that's one of the reasons that I, that I have to spend so much time writing these PDFs because men, you know, people, people in a sense, they've, uh, they've heard about Renoko Rashidi. Renoko yeah. Rashidi was a photojournalist. If you notice, Renoko Rashidi, he had a lot of photographs and he did a lot of good photographic, you know, photo essays, but he never could tell you how those black people got there. Mm -hmm. He never could tell you about their civilization. He just had a picture. And then the white people would, then when you tried to say, well, you know, it's black people in Cambodia. And they would always say, you're going off lookism. And lookism is mm -hmm. supposed to be because those people in, in ancient Cambodia, Angkor Wat, and uh, the Shams and others, in a sense, were were looking black, but that doesn't mean they were black. But see, that's why I write my PDFs. When I when I write mm -hmm. my PDFs, the PDFs are, are, is to show the family that not only did they look black, their history goes back to places where they were black, and that these mm -hmm. are black people. And that, and that, you know, I'm thinking about in the future, I might do a video to explain how, uh, how Buddhism spread from Africa to India. And that mm. it India back to Africa, that it spread from Africa to India. But see, Whoa. The whole, but the whole point is this, is that, you know, we've just been conditioned to see history wrong. We've been conditioned mm. to see history through gray eyes. What mm. I mean by gray eyes is that we see history through a white filter. And this mm -hmm. white filter mm -hmm. teaches us lies, and that's that's what that's what encapsulizes us, and they put us into into a cage called caves. Mm -hmm. Cave, mm -hmm. which 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 in a sense perpetuates the the cave pandemic, culturally acquired immune identity deficiency syndrome, comes from this lack of knowledge. You know, we are people yeah, who absolutely. Like but see, that's why we come here every Thursday. It is almost two years now. Wow, is that right? That we've been bringing this to the family. Two years. Incredible. And it's even more knowledge out there. It's even more stories that God willing, I hope to tell you about our Yes, yes. We need, we need your support. We need you to support Absolutely. us with, with Patreon. I know our, our Dr. Uh, Reverend Matthews, he's, he's, got a, he's developing a research fund 
Uh, and uh, for those of you who may have got his uh, email, if you can support him, support this man. Because see, he's, he's facilitating a, a, a place where people can learn this history. He's Absolutely. facilitating a place where you can understand how you can get the weapons. Absolutely. The weapons to be able That's to right. not let the trauma totally dominate you. To be able mm -hmm. to end up like a Michael Jordan or an Usher or a Frederick Douglass. You see, people who, right. who think they're who think who think that they couldn't be really black until they get that white woman in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Considered a, a man or a woman unless they get that that white man or white woman into their bed. You see, you see, they they feel in a sense that that until they can possess some some aspect of whiteness, that maybe just maybe the whiteness will rub off on them. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to tell you, family. I'm sorry to tell you out there, you coons and Uncle Toms, that just because you're sleeping in the bed with a white person, that's because you're having sex with a white person, that's not going to spread any whiteness onto you. That's right. Whenever they look at you, they're still going to see your black face, you see? And look at Plessy. Look at uh, Plessy. You know, he, he, he looked, if you wouldn't have known he was black, he could have passed for white. But you mm -hmm. wouldn't have Tell you look at that video the Reverend Dr. Matthews did yesterday on Sisters and Nice show. Get the knowledge. Knowing is winning. Knowing is winning. You have to get these black history gems and you have to hold them close. You have to show them to your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you want if you want to fight Cades too, you have to understand the teachings. Of Reverend Dr. Matthews, who's teaching you how to fight this trauma, how to overcome this trauma, and to mm. move forward. Ashe, Ashe, oh, family, let's give thanks. Let's let's give onks and thanks to Dr. Clyde Winters. Let's give thanks to Ama for putting all of us together at the same time, at the same place, at this time in our lives. Uh, what a what a history, what a gem, and what an honor and a privilege it is to be in a world with a Dr. Clyde Winters. Uh, and we seal our thanks. Uh, we seal our duwa, duwa, uwa, thanks and eternal thanks uh, by repeating the affirmation of power. I am one with first frequency. I am one with first frequency. I am one with the first thought idea. I am one with the first thought idea. I am one with the firstborn people. I am one with the firstborn people. I am one with the only one. I am one with the only one. Ashe. Ashe. And so it is. So it is.